I'm glad you're joining us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. I'm host Carrie Freeman coming to you from Atlanta in April of 2022. Today, we're going to be talking about an undercover investigation of the wild animal trapping industry, which is part of the fur industry in the United States, an investigation conducted by Born Free USA in conjunction with the Humane Society, where they witnessed how animals are beaten to death, if not dead already, when found suffering in leg hold traps or snares, and the role that government plays in promoting this cruel practice. Uh, yes, we in the United States still allow traps to be set in every state to indiscriminately catch anyone who steps in them. But we will discuss today with our guest, Dr. Liz Tyson of Born Free USA, how and why we can work to ban trapping, such as banning it in federal wildlife refuges, emphasis on the world word refuge. As a leading wildlife charity for the last 20 years, Born Free USA opposes the exploitation of wild animals in captivity and campaigns to keep them where they belong in the wild. Born Free USA's vision is a future where humans coexist with and no longer exploit wild animals. They promote compassionate conservation to enhance the survival of threatened species in the wild and protect natural habitats while respecting the needs and safeguarding the welfare of individual animals. Their website is bornfreeusa.org. There is a website section at forward slash trapping exposed that shows a video and a report from the trapping investigation we'll be discussing today. My guest, Dr. Liz Tyson, is the programs director at Born Free USA. Early in her career, she earned a law degree while also working full time at a financial PR firm in London. Realizing that the corporate world was not for her, she began looking around for opportunities to fulfill her true life's ambition to work with animals. She was offered the role of education officer and primate keeper at a monkey sanctuary in England. She jumped at the chance and never looked back. Since that time, Dr. Tyson has worked in the UK, Colombia, Spain, the Middle East, Bolivia, Ethiopia, and Peru. Wow. She helped to establish the very first locally run sterilization program for street dogs in the Middle East, worked with local indigenous communities in the Colombian Amazon to bring an end to the hunting of wild primates, ran a UK charity campaigning to end the exploitation of animals in circuses and zoos, and more recently helped to design and plan a new rehabilitation complex for rescued monkeys at Born Free's Ethiopian Sanctuary. She also continued to study while working and earned her doctorate in animal welfare law in 2018. In August 2020, Dr. Tyson published her book, Licensing Laws and Animal Welfare, The Legal Protection of Wild Animals. The book outlines the findings of her doctoral research, which is the most comprehensive study of the legal protection of wild animals in English zoos carried out to date. Welcome, Dr. Tyson. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Now, can you set the stage uh, by first explaining, like briefly explaining to listeners what trapping is and, and who trappers kill? Absolutely. So in the United States, um, trapping is still legal in the majority of states. A couple of states have moved to ban particular oh, kinds of okay. trapping. That's great that it's not all states. Okay. It's not all states. So California, Hawaii, um, and a couple of others have moved to ban recreational trapping, but other types of trapping are still legal oh. in the United States. Mm. So at the moment, the estimate is that there are at least 3 million animal killed, animals killed in traps in the US each year. And that will be foxes, um, beavers, raccoons, uh, coyotes, bobcats. The majority are killed for fur. 
with that three million figure comes from the fur industry. So those are the pelts that are sold as a result of that. But we also know that numerous animals are trapped because they're considered quote unquote pests. Oh. Um, or to protect livestock so killing one animal in order to breed another so that that animal can then be killed um and some people sadly just do it for fun mm. so the trap i can't consider the trapping industry part of the fur industry because i thought oh well you're trapping them instead of shooting them with a gun because you don't want to get blood all over the fur or something like i still don't understand why is somebody literally just trapping someone by the leg or some body part uh, you know what I mean? There, yeah. <laughs> and so I just thought, well, it must be just for the fur, even though I don't like that either. But that I thought was the only reason to do it. But it, it's interesting that you mentioned these other. Yeah, movies. there's a lot of other reasons. And honestly, the majority of fur now comes from fur farming, which which right. is, which is horrific. And animals suffer in different ways in fur farms. With trapping, it's more of a, a tradition, if you like. That's how fur was originally uh, produced yes yes um and then it's something that has become something that's been passed down through generations generally speaking though it does seem to be more of a hobby for people and the the sale of the fur afterwards in this day and age is kind of a, a bonus because honestly the the sale of fur pelts the the cost of them the price of them has gone down significantly so there is no real profit to be made in it there's certainly no one making a living out of trapping for fur in the U.S. Well, that's pretty interesting, too, in terms of the ways that we could combat it if it's, it's better, if it's not like a large livelihood for many, many people um, mm-hmm. at this point, then we're seeing that it's people are just doing it because they used to do it and but not yeah. certainly doesn't need to be done and is awful. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's such a kind of a frivolous reason. Um, and like I say, the, the first seems to now be a byproduct of the hobby rather than the other way around. And before we get into what your undercover investigator found, can you briefly tell us what this recent undercover trapping investigation entailed in terms of how it was conducted? Of course, what we wanted to do, uh, Born Free has conducted three major undercover investigations into the, into the trapping industry, one in 2011, another one in 2016, and now again in 2022. And what's frustrating is that, you know, we're still working to get a ban on these practices. And what's frustrating is we have to keep providing evidence to show that this is still happening um, and that, that it's still happening in the same way, that there haven't been any improvements. So this time, what we really wanted to do was really look at the industry as a whole. So we can't go out with every trapper on the line, of course, but we focused initially on the Trapping Association Convention, which was held in Iowa. And what that does is bring together members of the trapping industry, spokespeople for the trapping industry, leaders of the trapping industry. And our investigator went there, recorded some of the presentations that were going on, got intel from there and found, you know, the, the kind of general discussion around trapping, what was going on um, and some background. We heard some really disturbing things there. Um, We then moved on to a government-sponsored trappers education course. Now, these are offered to trappers in order to theoretically learn how to trap within regulations, how to do it properly, how to do it, quote unquote, humanely, something that we would argue is impossible. And we had some really disturbing findings there because what we really found was that government officials were in bed with the trapping industry 
if you like, and even giving potential trappers loopholes in regulations, how to get around quotas and things like that. We had them laughing about illegal trapping. Really disturbing things came out, out of that as well. We then went on with our trapper. He went out with two different trappers on their trapping lines to learn what happened in the field. So we watched as animals were trapped, as animals were killed, and that was all documented. So what we feel we've got now, it's it's harrowing, it's upsetting, it's really disturbing, but we feel like we've got a really, really clear picture of the trapping industry as a whole, of their, their approaches, their practices, and their outlook, um, and it's not pretty. Right, and people can see it on your website. I watched the video that you put together, uh, Born Free, USA.org forward slash trapping exposed. Mm -hmm. Now, what did the investigator observe when he accompanied some trappers going to check on their traps? I think it was it was what we expected. Um, and what we found, and this is something even the descriptions I'm giving just um, audience caution, it is very upsetting. We found raccoons in leg hole traps. They were cowering as the trappers effectively bludgeoned them to death with baseball bats and this happened again and again and again we found a beaver who had been hanged by his torso um, in a poorly laid snare um, we found a fox whose leg had snapped clean through as he struggled to escape a trap and we think he was actually killed by coyotes as he was completely vulnerable could not go anywhere could not do anything and I think one of the things that was most disturbing around this was the response and the jokes and the the fun that was being had by the trappers and this isn't to paint the individuals that that our investigator went out with as you know the the bad guys it was just a complete lack of respect for the animals it was a complete lack of care it was jokes about finding animal body parts in in traps and putting them on their quote unquote wall of death it was laughing about the idea animals are sentient. It was it was seeing this violence coupled with that complete lack of care and respect that I think was was just so disturbing and so upsetting. Yeah, I mean, it's this kind of also reminds me when we go undercover into slaughterhouses or factory farms or other places that I think when people work with killing animals as a living, you it's almost like mentally they have to joke about it and trivialize everything or almost be angry of sorts because as like a cope, that's my own opinion that, that as a coping mechanism, because they're not going to go out there and go, Oh, look at that poor raccoon. And now I have to kill him. And, you know, and like, so I feel like they, as their response is to minimize it and almost yeah. make fun of it. And also it's a masculine, um, it's like a hyper-masculine environment as well, but yeah, absolutely. I think that I don't think there's any way to do that on a regular basis and not become desensitized to it because it, it it's so violent and um, that, like you say, I don't think you could do that over and over again without having to switch off in some way from what's going on. Now, you know, we already know that animals suffer in traps and that the trappers need to kill them right there for their fur. But what did your investigators see or hear that's different from what the trappers tell the public they're doing? Mm -hmm. So I think the, the language that the trapping industry uses around killing animals is very sanitized. We see that a lot with, you know, we see that an awful lot with animal exploitation across all the sectors. Right. So trappers will refer to dispatching an animal. And that, that is the point that the animal is killed. Um, so dispatching is the euphemism? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Instead of beaten to death? Yes, exactly. Right. 
Um, so dispatching, and they don't like to talk about how that's done. That's It's not something you see a lot about. It's not something that they talk a lot about. We've seen some feedback within trapping circles to our investigation. And what seems to be the concern is that we showed the quote unquote dispatching of animals because they know that that's the thing that's going to upset people. Now, there was one raccoon who was hit multiple times, I think five times initially with a baseball bat. Um, that one of the trappers stood on his neck to suffocate him and the the animal spasm and because of the the impact on their brain they spasm and often they are dead often they are brain dead but unless you check you cannot know that and so a raccoon who was still in full spasm was thrown into the back of the truck after being hit five times on the head with this baseball bat um he was holding on to the baseball bat so he was fully conscious part way through this and an hour and 24 minutes later, it was found that one of the raccoons, now we don't know if it was the first one or the last one. So it was um, an hour, 24 minutes after the first one was theoretically killed and about half an hour after the last one. But one of them had remained alive and was suffering in the back of that truck. He was then hit multiple times again. The, tra the trapper then drove off without checking that he had at that point passed away. Thankfully, he had. I say thankfully because the suffering right. that must have been going through was, was horrific. I know. It's upsetting your dog, I hear. Um, yeah, the, it, it was. it's definitely hard to watch. I mean, because you're beating somebody to death and you don't know if they're really dead. And then you have to keep, they had to keep doing it. And it's just so, oh, it's just so unnecessary and awful. And then one of the videos that you have on your website for bornfree.org also showed there's a variety of animals in the back of a truck. And one of them also was a domesticated cat, like a house cat. Mm -hmm. Yes, that was that was um, in the actual uh, in the the shed where the one of the trappers prepared yeah. the pelts after, and there was just the body of a cat underneath. I, I, don't, I can't even count how many other bodies of coyotes of raccoons, um, and you could see an animal that was clearly a cat. Our investigator asked and said, "You know what was that about?" And the the trapper kind of he said, "Yeah, that was a cat who I trapped." And then he just changed the subject. So it's something that we know that that domesticated animals, companion animals are also caught in traps. They are not that their lives are worth anything more than the, the raccoons or the coyotes, but it's something again, that the trapping industry insists that their traps target the animals that they consider to be pests and that dogs, cats are safe from them. But that is entirely untrue. I'm just so upset by the idea that we're still allowing this to happen because if this was something that someone just came up with this idea right now if it had not been going on for decades and decades mm -hmm. and someone just said hey let's start putting traps all around different spots and anyone who steps in them is going to get stuck mm -hmm. and then and they're going to have to be stuck there until and maimed or potentially killed until someone comes to either set them free or kill them mm -hmm. uh nobody would say hey yeah that's a great idea to do yeah. that indiscriminate killing um because i mean anybody and it could be whatever it can be it can snap on your face. It can snap on your leg or your, the middle of your body. So uh, it's the, it's the indiscriminate aspect of it. That seems to be the worst aspect. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's something that even, you know, the, the hunting fraternity, uh, you know, sort of pride themselves on a quick kill. It's something that you hear a lot again through, through animal exploitation, the various sectors, the idea of a swift death, is something which 
is often put um, front and center as a, I guess, as a justification that, you know, it's okay to, to kill animals as long as they don't suffer in death. And again, I would disagree with that wholeheartedly. I don't think they should die, but, you know, trapping can't even pretend to do that. Right. And, and just briefly, um, what did you learn about how the trappers view the role of government agencies or government regulations during this investigation? Because I remember what you said, like hearing them laugh about kind of getting around some, yeah. some things. And so, and I don't know that, I mean, if this is a legal activity, the government agencies aren't, I, I don't know really what they're doing to help. Yeah, I mean, we there, are a of things, there are a couple of things that we saw. Um, first of all, at the at the trapping convention, there was an insurance company there who was offering insurance to trappers. And, you know, the, our investigator was saying, you know, what might I need insurance for? Um, and they were saying, you know, if the if basically if the wrong animal gets caught, if a, if a dog or cat gets caught. And then they got into my, the investigator said, what, you know, what would happen if a child got caught in my trap? Is that the kind of thing that you would be you would get insurance for and you'd be covered for? And they said, well, don't worry about that, because the Department of Natural Resources are on your side if that happens. And they would cite the family for the child tampering with the trap. Now, of course, disclaimer that this was two insurance brokers at a convention. Um who felt bold enough to say that that was the case. We haven't, we don't know if that is, yeah. we don't know if that is true, but the very fact that that narrative exists is deeply disturbing. Um, and they very specifically said the DNR is on your side. We then had a representative from the Department of Natural Resources at the um, training education day. And the, the guy who was delivering the training was talking about bobcats and otter quotas, which are, they have a very limited, what they call a bag number. So the number of animals that you can kill. And what he was saying was, you know, I get asked all the time, you know, if I bring my child out with me to trap, can I up the quota? And he said, well, yeah, that's fine. Take your child with you as long as they're licensed you can get more bobcats and otters now you could argue that he was just clarifying something someone had asked him but we just thought that was it was it was irresponsible for a government official to be offering up a loophole in the law right. um and then we had another part of that same training where they were talking about um shooting animals and where it was and wasn't legal to shoot and what guns it was legal to use and what wasn't. And there was a lot of laughing and joking about if you do it illegally, just don't tell the DNR guy over there. The DNR guy was in the room. So mm. there was, you know, regardless of whether this was banter, if this is something that's really happening, if it's just, you know, joking, but the very fact that that was happening on a government-sponsored education course, which is ostensibly mm. supposed to be teaching about these regulations, <laughs> is just absolutely unacceptable. Right. If you're just joining us on Radio Free Georgia, this is In Tune to Nature. I'm host Carrie Freeman talking with Dr. Liz Tyson of Born Free USA about the cruelties of the trapping industry based on their undercover investigation, which you can see at the website bornfreeusa.org forward slash trapping exposed. Dr. Tyson, tell us about what Born Free is suggesting in terms of strategies to end these wildlife trap trapping practices, like maybe just on public lands or in wildlife refuges? Like what's the best strategy um, legally for us to stop some of this? Absolutely. So from our perspective, we want to see an end to all trapping and there's no way to regulate it to make it humane. But for now, we're working a step-by-step -step process. The first one being we want to see trapping outlawed on the National Wildlife Refuge System. The fact that it is legal to trap 
on wildlife refuges just really beggars belief because you know they are supposed Ridiculous. to be wildlife yeah. um so we feel that that is an achievable first step so we're petitioning to have the refuge from cruel trapping act introduced um, it's currently in process. We need more co-sponsors. We need more support for it. So you could go to our website and find out how to support that. But we do want to move through different steps to then move on to public lands, to then move to recreational trapping, to then move to government agency trapping so that we can get, you know, we can get this step by step and we can eventually outlaw this practice altogether. But starting with the introduction of the Refuge from Cruel Trapping Act. And would that mean that all the wildlife refuges that are, you know, across all the states, that they all have trapping in them or they might have trapping in them? It depends on their individual mandate. Okay. So um, not every single one of them has it. Our last calculation suggested that 11.1 million acres of wildlife refuge land allow trapping on them. Oh. It very much depends on the constitution of the individual refuge yeah like if they have those fur-bearing animals there mm -hmm. or not yes and there is if you go to the fish and wildlife service under i think an appropriations process were um made to publish the list of refuges that do allow trapping so you can actually find that on their website we've also got information about it on ours that that's good because that leads me to my wrap-up question which is for listeners who are interested in working to ban trapping how can they work locally in their state or maybe perhaps on the broader campaigns that Born Free has for banning trapping in wildlife refuges or on public lands? That's a great question. In earlier uh, last year, we, we released a report which looked at the regulatory landscape of trapping across the whole nation. And we broke that down by state. Now with that, we essentially created what we call state report cards. And those state report cards had different actions that each individual state could make. So again, if you head to our website, check out your state's trapping report card, and it will have very specific actions that you can take to get your representatives to move on this important issue. Ooh, I'm glad you did that. And I'll also post that on the Facebook page for In Tune to Nature when I find the state report cards um, place there. And I'll I, also I link to the, the trapping exposed um, video that about what we've been talking about. That's great. Thank you. Well, that's the end of our show. But I want to thank you, Dr. Liz Tyson, for being with us on Radio Free Georgia's In Tune to Nature program. And thanks for the work you do putting your legal knowledge and heart to good use protecting wild animals along with your team at Born Free USA. Thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to talk about it. Take care. You too. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in to In Tune to Nature, broadcasting every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time online at wrfg.org and on Atlanta radio station 89.3 FM. We post action items, news, and podcasts on the show's website, facebook.com forward slash In Tune to Nature. Views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of WRFG, its board, staff, or volunteers. I'm one of those volunteers. I'm host Carrie Freeman, asking you to please support independent, non-commercial media like Radio Free Georgia. And remember to take care of yourself and others, including other species. Thank you for listening. Cheers. <laughs>